listener production. Hola, you are listening to episode 131 of the Howie Games Part B featuring snowboarding superstar Sean White. Let's continue the ride. Okay, now, Sean, frequent listeners to the Howie Games, which I know you're going to become one of, know that I have a couple of kids and they like to ask questions of the guests. Nice. Now, you get a question now from my nine-year-old son. His name is Mac, Sean, but his nickname, which you'll appreciate, gave it to himself. It's not Future Boy. Mm. It is The Big Penguin. Oh, Okay. Okay. Why not? I don't know. Well, exactly. Why not? Exactly. Yeah, why not? You now get the question from the big penguin who's yeah. nine. He's been watching you on YouTube. Okay. Um, and it blew his mind. Here we go. Hi, Sean. Big penguin here. I'm quite into skating at the moment. And two weeks ago, I dropped in the five-foot ramp. It was quite scary for the first time. But now I find it, like, super-duper easy. It's just like my body can do it now. But what I want to know is how do you drop in those massive, massive ramps on your skateboard, let alone your snowboard? Do you think, how do you overcome those fears of falling off? (laughs) I'm glad you asked, uh, Mr. Penguin. Um, You know, I I think it's just, just like how you overcame the fear of dropping in the little ramp. You one day get the guts and the buildup and your, your skills are you know, building and the confidence is growing and then you finally drop into the big ramp and it becomes like the little ramp, you know. I think it's it's little steps through um, a long period of time and you slowly get to that place. You know, I've been snowboarding as long as I can remember. You know, I started at the age of four or five and then went pro um, at 13 and I just continued on that path. And so um, I would say, you know, move at your own pace and hmm. definitely wear your helmet and don't he get does. peer pressured by uh, others to do something that's out of your skill set or your comfort level. You know, I always tell people that if I'm nervous of something or I'm not confident, I walk away all the time. And so it's a big misconception that I'm, you know, a very. Huh fearless human being and I always push it to the limit every single time um, because it's not the case. I'm, I'm, I'm much more calculated and I wait till that moment and then when it's the moment, I seize it. So have fun with it, enjoy the progression and um, definitely you know go at your own pace. But um, um, I, I would definitely say another thing that I learned when I was younger is to skateboard or snowboard with people that are much better than you because they're gonna elevate your riding. Um, luckily I had an older brother, he's seven years older and I did every trick he was doing at my younger age. So by the time I entered competitions around his age, I was already doing, you know, all the major tricks and things like that. So get some people that are better than you and have them show you the ropes. It's great advice. It's something that if you decide to go down that path in your life and it's a choice and you're lucky enough to be able to become a parent, I have been watching him for the last three months at the skate ramp. And Sean, it is the hardest thing to do to watch a child and your parents Mm. must have gone through this to see them first go down the one foot and the two foot and your heart in your mouth every time your child does this. It is is a a frightening experience as a parent. Hey, snowboarding itself, take me me to the top of your run. (laughs) What are you doing mentally and physically? And if you could, take me through a run because to me it looks like a sport where you need to be so body aware. But 
we'll, we'll get to, I saw it for the first time at the 2014 games when I, I was working there in Sochi and, and I'll talk to you about that. But top of your run, Sean White, ready to compete. What are you doing physically and mentally? I'm fascinated yeah. by this, mate. Well, I, <clears throat> I learned that um, I can overpractice. <laughs> so if I show up at a, a competition too soon and I have too much time to practice, I'll show up and do my run perfectly 20 times and then fall during my run. And I go, oh, what happened? I was so prepared. I just nailed this thing 20 times, you know, okay. but think of the odds. If you're, you know, um, somewhere doing something or rolling the dice, you know, you're going to hit seven or you're going to, you know, make a mistake. And if you had, you know, uh, 20 or so or 10 great runs before the bad runs start, you know, I, I, I took that into account. So I actually show up late to practice majority of the times, um, which is also really fun uh, to mess with my competitors because yeah. they're like, well, where, where is he? <laughs> so nice of you to join us, you know? Uh, <laughs> so I'm standing there at the top of the half pipe. And I like to say that the focus that you need or what helps best for me is this like, this this overwhelming, you know, overwhelming focus and, and sort of precision that I'm, I'm, you know, getting myself ready mentally of what I'm going to do in the run, saying the tricks in my head, envisioning what it's going to be like to ride out the bottom and high five everyone. And, and, um, and then like the slightest bit of not caring because you have to realize that it is just a competition. Your life will go on after there's, there's <laughs> so much more than just this. Yeah. You know, it's so it's this, it's this weird um, contradiction of just, of just, you know, you're putting your all into something and, and complete focus and, and not caring slightly. So I kind of have that balance going on. Leopard, zebra, tiger pants, Sean White coming in hot. Yo, hear me roar. I'm looking for him to throw out some tricks that we've never seen before. And that's when they usually play uh, a song that you've picked out. So a lot, a, a, for a long time, it was um, ACDC's Back in Black or Thunderstruck or something like that, because you need a song that kicks hard at the beginning because you only have a couple minutes before you drop in and they play your song. So you need something out. You can't have the slow ballad with the build. You need, <laughs> you need, you need out the gate. Yeah. Um, and uh, <laughs> oh, hold on, here it comes. It's like, <laughs> wait for it. It's going to hit. Uh, so, no. So, you got to be pumped up and ready to go. Next up, you drop into this fight. Put your hands together. Yes, and the music's a powerful thing because it takes all those nerves that you were feeling and kind of converts them from this nervousness to like, well, now they're playing my favorite song, the soundtrack almost to my life. And instead of like, oh, I might blow this situation. I might make a mistake. I go, oh, wow, maybe this is my moment. Maybe this is my time to shine. And, and you're feeling better. They tell you to drop in. And so at that point, I kind of just say a little something to myself or a high five my coach and just drop in. And I try to keep it as casual as possible because at that point you're your own worst enemy if you overthink something i've practiced so much that i need to just let it happen um so i drop in and usually the first hit kind of determines the run um if i have a really solid landing that means it sets me up for the next hit 
And if I have a great landing on that one, it sets me up for the next one. So it's all kind of a chain reaction. So after the first two or three jumps, you, you feel this overwhelming sort of, uh, you know, like, oh, I'm on a tear. Like everything's firing, you get this this wind, the second you know this build, and um, and I would say that in my head I'm going from whatever trick I'm currently doing to the next trick, and that's the way that I sort of um, get myself to not overthink what I'm currently doing. So, so, so playing, in your mind, yeah. mentally, you've moved on to trick seven when you're still completing trick six. Exactly. Wow. Yeah. So in that trick, I'm thinking about the next one because, like that's where I want to be and I got to get to the wall. It's not enough to just do this trick. I need to be there. And so I kind of go from trick to trick to trick. And then the hardest one is the last trick because there's no more walls after that. So that's the big kind of hold your breath moment. And, you know, you got to finish strong, but that's how I usually break it down. And I like when they play music at the top, I have a hard time, you know, uh, having headphones in just because I want to hear the crowd. I want to hear the, the sound of the snow. I want to hear, you know, everything. And, you know, what if a headphone falls out or something happens mid run? I don't want to be swayed by that, but there are certain, certain situations. We have to be careful what song you listen to. Cause if you have a, a big mistake or a big crash to a favorite song, every time that comes on in the car, you're like, Ooh, <laughs> you, you remember. So you can be you listening. Know, that moment. And so you can listen to music as you compete. Y- yeah. You're allowed to for sure. In the Olympics. Um, yeah, yeah. This I did not know. Yeah, this yeah. I did not know. Yeah, so people put headphones in, people do their own thing. I like to either pick a song out, have it play it at the top, or I leave my phone playing a oh. playlist of mine in my pocket, or at times... In your pocket? Yeah, in my pocket, I'll just have the speaker going. So I can hear it, but I'm not, like, overwhelmed by it. So As I'm you're like, going? I don't hear it during that, but I right. hear it at the top. So I hear it at the top and I take it with me. So what's yeah. the song that comes on the radio now and you think, oh, that was the day I stuffed it in such and such place? Oh, God. Um, Led Zeppelin Communication Breakdown. <laughs> I fully like, you know, it, kick, it kicks in that... It comes in heavy. And I remember like feeling that that <laughs> guitar you know riff and the beat and, the, and i fully just like hooked an edge and just boom like lights out you know i shouldn't, and, I shouldn't laugh yeah no it's okay it's, it, and now i'm driving in the car and it comes on i'm like oh <laughs> start swerving you know but so, um so mate 20 20 yeah. sochi and the first winter olympics i've been blessed to work on and i, I was yeah. reporting and stuff from the extreme park so i saw yeah uh, and, and you were you know, you and a couple of others, you're the biggest names at the at the game. You're the promotion mm-hmm. point of the game. Could he win three in a row? And you mentioned yeah. something very briefly at the start that you didn't think you were going to win. An interesting mm-hmm. mindset that, you, that you're at the pipe thinking, this, this is not me. Yeah. What happens and what do you learn from a situation where you don't walk away with the, the medal that you're after, mate? Yeah, I mean, honestly, it's it's a weird sort of sixth sense almost or something uh, where I can be somewhere and just how I know, like, because that, you know, sometimes I know, like, and this overwhelming confidence, like, I'm going to win, I'm going to do, and I and I know, I know it, I can feel it. And 
And for some reason at that competition, I'm standing up there and I had this overwhelming feeling of like, not today, it's just not going to happen. And Did you try um, and shift yourself out of that mindset or you can't? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I've, yeah, I wanted to, you know, I thought maybe I could just muscle my way through it and just somehow get the run done and take the medal, but not not be fully committed, but still I had trained so hard. I had the winning run and the winning tricks. I, actually the highest score from the entire competition was my qualifying run point wise. Yeah. So I was like, why don't I do the easy run? You know, like all these things coming in and it just, I played it wrong. It's just, everything was kind of off. But White crashed on his first run and struggled on his second. His board nearly bending in half. He came in fourth, those mittened hands covering a face we'd seen grow up in front of our eyes. Anyways, it just wasn't my moment. And, and that was a hard sort of pill to swallow. And I'd never been to an Olympics and lost at this point. And so I, my whole world kind of like that was built off of winning and being the best really crumbled. How do you mean crumbled? So, so you, you, you slide out of the, the pipe, mm -hmm. you're not the Olympic gold medalist. Mm -hmm. How do you describe crumbled for me? Well, crumbled more just that like at that point, the way I had processed things in my head, if I had lost, then everything before that didn't matter, to me at least. And so- So the other golds were, were gone. Yeah, and I was wow. like, wow, well, I lost and nothing, you know, and that's kind of how my brain was working at the time. It was mo motivating me. And, and so I was like, wow, it's all over. I'd lost, what now? And you don't just kind of walk away from that. It's, being, it's like if you're in a- you know, long relationship and you get out of it and people keep coming to you like, oh, how's so-and-so? And you're like, oh, well, actually, you know, it's, it, there's a reminder. You're getting your groceries and, and the guy's like, oh, sorry, better, you know. Got yeah. And, and so you're, you're constantly, you're getting gas or the FedEx guy shows up. Like people, you know, are, are constantly reminding you of it so you can't really escape it. But the thing- Reminding you of, you of your failure. Yeah, at least to me, it's like, you know, and you're only hearing what you want to hear because they say like, oh, hey, you know, you're still the man, blah, blah, blah. And they, they compliment you and, and, and whatnot. But you're only kind of hearing the things that would bring you down. Or you're reliving that moment in a, in a negative. And after a while, I realized I was like, wow, well, a lot of people, a majority of people came up to me and they're like, don't even worry about it. You're still the champion. You're still the man. And, you know, those two golds, you'll come back stronger. Like. It was really, I, I think, what I needed at that time in my life, honestly. And as hard as it was to receive that life lesson that way, it, it's something that I needed because after that, I was just so much stronger. Like, I'd been to the Olympics and won. I'd been to the Olympics and lost. So going into it fully, eyes open for that next Olympics, I was ready. I was ready for anything that came my way. And... Um, and it was it was good. It, it slowed everything down for me. And so when it was slowed down, was there a moment that you sort of turned it around mentally in your head, Sean, or was it a gradual thing? You know, um, I remember just taking some time to just like be at my home. Um, I had this beautiful home in Malibu, and um, <laughs> I can't believe I'm going to tell this story because it's so ridiculous. But um, I was I remember kind of like being alone at the house and I'm trying to feel miserable for myself, <laughs> you know, like you, 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 you blew it. You just blew it. And I'm sitting there, you know, 
having a soda or whatever and I'm watching the sunset and (laughs) and this whale like peeked out of the water and I'm like I'm like half crying like (laughs) was that a whale oh my gosh that's so majestic and like I'm like crying and I'm like feeling horrible and and this whole thing that I built in my mind was just shattered I was like what are you crying about? Like people <laughs> still call you the champ. You're sitting in your beautiful home on the beach watching the sunset and the whales jumping and you're <laughs> and you're trying to be sad for yourself. Like what are you doing? And it just completely like that moment, I'll never forget it because it took me out of that headspace and I was like, you know what? Life's great. Everything I've accomplished thus far has not been taken away and stripped from me and I'm... I'm now, I I don't know, at that point I decided, I was like, I'm going to make this the best thing that's ever happened to me. And so um, I went through this process of trying to get my head right. So when we talked about the Olympics, I don't know if we talked about it earlier in the the rapid fire questions, but, you know, at that point I had the winning tricks. I was strong enough. I had the tricks. I was ready to go. My head just wasn't in the, the right place. So if it were the opposite, it's really easy to go learn the next biggest trick or not easy, but it's, it's obtainable. It's something I know and, or, or, or go to the gym and you get physically stronger. But this was a mental thing I had to do. So I had to sit there and go, okay, well, what will make me happy? What, what is it? What do, is it the particular food? Is it, you know, who, who are the people I like around me that make me happy? Could they travel with me? Could they come to some events? Could, you know, like who's, you know, um, you know, my coach was really great, but I know he had a certain style of doing things. I was like, oh, maybe if I switched up the coach or I switched up this. And at that point in my career, I hadn't, um, I claimed it pretty hard that I worked out, but I didn't. Uh. And so I was like, I should start working out. Not, not for the physical, um, sort of side of it, but more for the, Hey, after I work out, I feel motivated. I feel content. Like I, I accomplished something today and that's a great feeling. And obviously after working out consistently, you get the benefits of working out, but you know, I, 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 you know, cleared out my entire Instagram because I didn't, I didn't like the old photos of me with the long hair. I'm like, this is who I am now. This is how I want people to see me. And then all these little things, man, all these little details that, made me a more complete, happier person in the long run. And then once I went back to the sport of snowboarding, I was just like a happier person in general. And that's how I found the love of the sport again. Um, and that was definitely put to the test many times, um, especially with the bad crash I had in New Zealand before, um, you know, the Olympic qualifying started for the 2018 games. But, um, but yeah, so that was an interesting path, but it was at that moment with the whale that I was like, (laughs) I'm going to turn this all around. You're done feeling sorry for yourself. People, you know, uh, you can't live like this anymore. You gotta, you gotta turn a leaf. And, um, and I made that, that situation into a really great positive. Um, Praise the whale. Yeah. Praise the whale. Back to Sean shortly. Extreme of another nature, Formula One, especially when it involves the straight-talking 1980 world champion Alan Jones, who grew up literally in the school of hard knocks. I used to carry straps in, for want of a better word, was a shoulder holster. Wow. And um, these things were about, I don't know how long, but they even had, like, um, steel in, in the middle of the um, leather and then they used to soak it in vinegar just to give it a bit more whizzo. <laughs> a bit <laughs> and, more whizzo. And then uh, they'd give you anywhere from two, four or six of the best. 
And six of the best in a Melbourne winter, uh, let me tell you, it's not real pleasant. So um, we all had to try and judge it in such a way that we pulled our hand away at the time the strap hit the palm. But if you did it too soon and he twigged, he'd he'd do it again. So you had to get your timing. In fact, he'd probably help you with my judgment a bit, my motor racing. (laughs) Your reflexes, (laughs) Josie. That is Formula One world champion Alan Jones on episode 46 of the podcast. Go back and check it out. He is a very engaging customer with some ripping stories, is Jonesy. All right, let's get back to Sean. So, mate, we, we get to Pyeongchang. Hello and welcome to the Phoenix Snow Park in Pyeongchang where we are having a half-pipe party. It's final time and it couldn't be any more exciting. Sean White, Scotty James, Ayumi Hiranu are leading the way for gold here in Korea. And um, I was really following you because I'd seen you for mm-hmm. the first time compete in person. And one of the most clutch Olympic performances I think I've seen. So you had one run to go, you're trailing as Hirano by a point. It, it all comes down to the last run. This time you don't get your victory run. No. You have to lay it down. He has got the score on the board. Mm-hmm. You are the one completely under pressure. And all that work, all that practice, it now has to come out. How are you dealing with the pressure? And I'm enjoying that you're smiling about it because the whales made you a happy man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that that was the that was one of the great clutch performances, I reckon, mate. Thank you. You know, honestly, I ne- I don't really like go back and watch the highlights of this or my first Olympics or those things. I mean, maybe maybe I should. It might be a a positive sort of. Uh, I think you should. Some you know, mantra or something to adopt, but um, you know, I think. Out of all the things I've ever done, I'm I'm probably the most proud of that run. Honestly, it was it was so nerve wracking. I'm the last guy to go. Um, I knew what I had to do, and the thing that hasn't really been talked about too much is that that run was the first time I'd ever done that run. So when I was in New Zealand, the 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 double flip fourteen forty, um, I had learned it on the front side. I I, I was never. Uh, and I knew it on the cab wall, which is the switch direction for me. It's like the opposite if you're riding yep. with your right hand to start using your left. So it's very awkward. And so I'd learned both tricks separately, but I'd never really put them together and um, hadn't practiced the trick a ton. But I decided today's the day. Let's go for it. And I crashed horribly. 62 stitches in my face. I'm in the hospital for two weeks. People, you know, my mom's calling in tears. You should retire. Uh, it's like push forward or retire at that point were kind of the options. And, you know, I decided to buckle down and and push forward and try to win this thing. And so I had made myself a promise at that point that I would never do the trick again until the conditions were perfect because they weren't perfect. I tried to push the envelope and this is what, you know, I ended up getting really hurt. And so season starts up, all this stuff's going on. And throughout the season, I had all these plans to do the trick and for some reason they, they never came to be. So, uh, one of the qualifying events, I was going to do the trick on my second run, but I fell in my first run. So I had to do the easy run again. And then the weather came, uh, something happened like that. And then in between that practice time, I 
I was, uh, you know, flew to Colorado to practice and they're like, oh, Colorado, record breaking storm coming through. It was like a full <laughs> blizzard had blown in. And then I, I'm like, we got to go to Canada. So we get in the, we get in the car to the airport. We fly to Canada and I'm sitting there and I'm like, we get to Canada and <laughs> I'll never forget the guy walking up to me. He's like, the machine's broken. <laughs> we can't cut the half pipe. I ordered the part, but it's going to take. Two weeks to get here. So then the next competition shows up. I get deathly ill. I can't compete. I'm so sick. And the next competition goes like every step of the way. And and so fast forward, I'm in a full meltdown going, when am I going to do this trick? And I'm terrified of this trick because it put me in the hospital. And everybody's like, you got that trick. I'm like, I know, but I'm pretty positive I had it the last time I tried it. And it didn't really end 67 stitches later. Exactly. So, you know, it's not only the trick, but overcoming the fear of it. And so now I'm at the Olympics and the pipe wasn't the best in the first couple of days of practice. So I don't do the trick. And, um, you know, fast forward to me standing at the top of the pipe, Ayumu beats my run by one point. So I'm thinking, oh my goodness, okay, they're going to make me work for it. I got to nail this run. Wow. Haranu is leading from Sean White. Sean White is about to drop in for his third and final run here in Korea. And the second run of the competition was the first time I'd ever done that run before and that combination of tricks And since I'd been put in the hospital for the one trick. And so now I'm standing there, top of the pipe, I get my second shot at it, and this is the second time I've ever gone for this run, and I'm thinking to myself, like, there's no way... I'm going to blow this. I don't know why. I just had this overwhelming confidence, like, this is my moment. I remember looking down at the pipe and they have all the, you know, the flags lining the pipe and, you know, they're there to obviously, you know, celebrate the the, the countries coming together. But obviously, you know, when it's windy, those flags will blow. And I remember the flag being down. It's not moving at all. So there's no wind. A little bit of sun had kind of like started to crack in the sky. And, um, and then they played like Post Malone, Rockstar, some song that I had known from, that was like that popular song at that point. And I was like, I, I know this song, the flag's down, the wind's, you know, everything's coming my way. And I'll never forget kind of thinking to myself, like, you better enjoy like a, you know, a screen grab of this moment. Cause like, you're about to win. And I don't know why, I just felt that way. He has two gold medals already, a fourth in Sochi. He wasn't happy. He wants to go again. He wants three from four. He's dressed as an astronaut, but at the moment, he has a problem. He's only in second place. Sean White has dropped in for gold. And when I look back, I'm so proud of that moment because, you know, if you go back to the whale moment, every step along the way was to get to this exact moment. And it was a deja vu of the moment I had at the last Olympics, where I sat there, last guy to go, knowing I wasn't going to win. And I had the complete opposite feeling there. And I think out of that whole Olympics, obviously, I was proud of my performance, but I was proud of, I think, the human I had become to get to that place, you know, a more well-rounded person and, and a happier person. And so I'm standing there, and I'm like, I'm gonna win this thing. And so I drop in, the first hit goes beautifully. Front side, double cork 1440 for Sean. Are we gonna see the back-to-back 1440s? Yes, we are. And that, like I remember earlier, is the building block of the run. And I'm thinking, okay, if I could just nail this second hit, the hit that put me in the hospital for the first time ever, I, I, could, 
I could do it. Back-to-back -back 1440s there for Sean White. The skyhook, the frontside 540. Now into the double make twist, the tomahawk. And he gets that around. Nailed the trick. I'm making my way through. And I just remember getting to that last wall. Like I mentioned, you know, mm. I'm tricking myself at this point from trick to trick, or at least in my head saying, okay, I'm going to fast forward to the next wall. It's the last trick. And I made a mental roadmap of the half pipe. And um, they put those blue lines on the pipe wall. That's so when you're in the air and when it's overcast, the sky color pretty much matches the snow color. So you need those lines like an airplane landing okay. to show you where you're going to be. And you're praying that you're on the inside of the blue line. And so I'm flipping through the air. And I had remembered that blue line coming really close to my face uh, in the previous runs. And so I pull off the wall even harder than I had done the previous times and I'm flipping through the air. I, I know what's coming around. I look around, I see that blue line and it's at least, you know, five feet further than I thought it was going to be. So I come down in this sort of like, ah, like this perfect landing. Like, I don't think I've ever done that trick better. Sean White now with a frontside double court 1260 and he puts it down and Sean White with an incredible run there. I can't wait to see another angle there because the cable cam, you lose a little bit of the, the magnitude of how high they're going. So when we see the replay, we will see, is this a run that could contest the gold? I think so. Sean White has just put down back-to-back -back 1400s in competition and absolutely stomped his run. If anybody was writing him off at the top, he has just proved snowboarding wrong again. Before coming into this competition, everybody was asking, can Sean White nail the back-to-back -back 1400s? He's done it, and now, well, it's in the hands of the judges. And then the rush of, like, what I think I had just accomplished kind of coming to me, and I'm, I'm so excited. I got all this energy and, and, and build up, and, um, you know, I'm sitting there and they're already actually celebrating at the top. I was the guy that just did it. They, they put the scores out. Actually, NBC had held the score for dramatic effect, which uh, I would murder them later for that. <laughs> what felt like, you know, five minutes felt like an eternity. And you got the athletes over here, which is Scotty and, and Ayumu. And I, I, so I don't want to look at them because they have the same horrified expressions in their face. They're like, did he beat me or did he? And, um, and then I look over, over here's the camera crew and the crowd. So I don't want to look there. And then I swear there's, there's a judge's booth in front of me. And I swear like one of the guys is like doing like this sort of motion with his hands. Like, I don't know. I, I probably was just seeing things, but <laughs> I'm like, are they, did I touch my hand? Did I falter somewhere? I'm trying to remember what happened in the run. And then the score hits and I don't think I've ever been so emotional in my life. Is this enough from Sean White? It would be one of the most memorable, historic, legendary runs in snowboarding history. Once again, questions asked of Sean White. Has he answered them? Yes, he has! Sean White takes gold in Pyeongchang in the most emphatic fashion. The last run of the day. He takes it away from Ayumu Hirona. Unbelievable scenes. And I think the reason why I started crying so much and was so overwhelmed with joy is that this path wasn't a physical one. It was, an, like I said earlier, it was an emotional yeah. journey to get to this point. So that's where it all kind of poured out in that victory 
Um, and till this day, if I never rode again, I'm, I'm just so proud of that moment, so. First place representing United States of America. Sean White takes first place. A first in 2006 and 2010, a fourth in Sochi. But Sean White, well and truly, is a legend of this sport. And that term is not used lightly. Yeah, it's I really love, great. <laughs> I love the description, mate. I, I absolutely yeah. love the description. Hey, you, you've been so good with your time. I, I just can I hold you for another ten minutes, or you got to go? Yeah, yeah, no problem. Just a couple other things I want to ask you about. We, we snowboarding, skateboarding. We've talked a lot about it. Mm-hmm. I, I, of all the things that I've seen you do, and I've been watching a lot of YouTube, <laughs> one of the best things I've seen you do is give. Justin Timberlake, one of the great sprays, as we would call here in Australia, of all time <laughs> in the movie Friends with Benefits. Yeah. Outstanding work. What is it like crossing over from sport to the movies? And that's a whole nother level. And I thought you pulled it off. I know nothing about acting, Sean, but I thought you absolutely nailed it. Thank you. I don't know how many, t- <laughs> t- I don't know how many takes it took, yeah. but, geez, it made me laugh when I saw that. Sean. Jamie! Hey! hey what's what are up, you doing here? You look great. You've been uh, working out? Nope, just been eating a lot. Ah, okay. <laughs> you know, it was so funny because, uh, I mean, after you, you know, talking with, with me for a bit, like I'm I'm definitely not the character I no, played no. in the show. You're the opposite. And, so, and that's what well, surprised they, me so much. I was thinking, this folks a dick. Yeah, they, <laughs> so that was the whole thing is they're like, you're such a sweet guy on TV, you know, like, we should make you into a, into a jerk for this one. And I was like, <laughs> oh, okay, sure. You want a drink? Yeah. I'll get you a drink. Yeah. yeah. Careful. Careful. <laughs> hey, bro, that was like a double McTwist 1260. Oh. <laughs> yeah, like the drink. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so doing that was just so much fun. You know, I, I was so nervous that I had to have like all of my lines in one take, but it's the movie business. So it's like, no, we do... You know, you say the line, and then we got the over the shoulder from him, yeah. and then he's his reaction to what you're saying. So they edit it all together. So you get a lot of takes and a lot of sort of like, um, you know, leeway, and, and 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 you know, so it's not as nerve wracking as I thought, but it was just so much fun. And and Woody Harrelson was all time. Um, I think a lot of the the stuff he said in that movie, he just kind of made it up yeah. on the spot, you know, <laughs> which is the genius of him and. And Timberlake was so awesome and supportive and he had been switching his career around to do more acting. And so he gave me some pointers and it was just so much fun to be in that movie. Yeah, like the jury. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Dylan. Jamie, you want to get this guy out of my face before I break his skull? Sorry, bro. No disrespect. I'm a huge fan. You don't know me, man. Don't talk to me like you know me. What, what you think I'm all chill because I snowboard and shit? One more word. I'll you up like dynamite. Dynamite. But I've met certain people that just that only know me from that movie. <laughs> so they are like super scared to talk. They're like, oh, you're like this like this super mean guy. Yeah. Dylan, I got a cab. Come on. I ever run into you again? I'll crush your earlobes and make soup stock out of them. You have a vivid imagination. I do. I'm gonna get in a cab now. I'm gonna go make soup. And I once got an angry voicemail from someone I think in the Middle East that was very upset that I had uh, 
that I was not friendly to Justin Timberlake. <laughs> <laughs> that, that took it very seriously. Oh yeah, they and I and I remember cr- crying, laughing, because one like somehow his message actually got to me. You know what I mean? And they're like one in a million that I was like, you know, uh, jet lagged somewhere, couldn't sleep. Oh, like let's click this random direct message on Insta. You know. Um, <laughs> And it was this guy that was just so upset that was like spitting, foaming at the mouth, just <laughs> cursing me out that I had that I had I had slighted Timberlake. Um, he's this, he's like the beautiful man Timberlake. Why have you done? Yeah, he was so upset, and I was I was dying. I was crying, laughing. So uh, the movie business is a is a crazy place. Um, I'd actually love to do more in that space. It was so much fun, and I'm I'm actually quite comfortable around the camera and now knowing, you know, what it was like, I'd actually like to play, you know, uh, a character that's not me. So I could really go to town and make up a very wild sort of well, uh, you, character. You, you yeah. are very good as an anti-you. Now you get the question, you get the question from my daughter, whose name is Sky. Okay. Her nickname is The Pickle. So you've had The Big Penguin. The big now penguin. you get The Pickle. The Pickle. <laughs> okay. Sky or the pickle is 11. Um, That is what she's got for you. Hi, Sean. Pickle here. We're stoked to have you on the show. You're such a good snowboarder, skateboarder, and Dad tells me you played the guitar. I watched a video. You're super good. I'm also learning the guitar, and if I could be on stage with anyone, it would be probably Kelly Rowland. What band or artist would you like to be on stage with playing the guitar? Oof. Mm. Well, Miss uh, Pickle, mm. uh, <laughs> what an awesome name. It is. Uh, the Pickle. <laughs> did she make it up? Or yes, did she... yes, oh, yes, wow. yes. We're big on nicknames in our house, The Pickle and that's The Penguin. That's solid. Very solid. Um, that's a great question. I love guitar. I actually won a guitar at a snowboard contest when I was about 16 and fell in love with playing. Um, is that how you got into it? Yeah, yeah, I won it at a at X Games and, and um and just picked it up to learn one song. It was the White Stripe Seven Nation Army and dun, it blew me dun, away dun, because dun, dun, dun. it's one string. It's yeah. so simple and I always assumed music was you know untouchable and so complex and I realized that music isn't about the complexity, it's about um conveying a feeling or a message or you know, and it doesn't, it just has to be catchy or to, to express something. And I loved that part of it. Um, I honestly, the, the, the truth is I would never, ever want to be on stage playing guitar with any of my favorite bands <laughs> just because I would be so horrified <laughs> <laughs> that they would be looking over at me while I'm butchering one of the covering <laughs> this horrible butcher of a cover of their song. It should be Led um, Zeppelin. You should go and play that song I, with Led I, Zeppelin, the one that's in I, your I, mind. The crash song, yeah. Yes. No, I, I would definitely, you know, I would just love to be there for a, a Led Zeppelin concert. If they pulled me out on stage for <laughs> a couple minutes, okay, I'll take it, just to say I did it. But, um, but yeah, it would have to be Led Zeppelin for sure. So what's next? Um... 
I don't know. Honestly, there's so many passions in my life. Music brought me, you know, a band and those kind of things. The band's not, not together anymore, but it just, I still have the passion for music. I'm actually learning to play the piano right now and all the, you know, kind of other facets of, of Good music, on you, man. not, not just guitar. And, and, um, it's been so rewarding, but through that, I've, I've, uh, been really excited about doing the sports and music festival called Air and Style. Um, we actually got really close to doing the event in Australia, yeah. um, but our, our financial partner there um, hit some hard times and went bankrupt, unfortunately. Um, but um, we were still alive and well doing events across the world. And um, selfishly, it was a way for me to put all my, you know, uh, interests into one major event. So you have music, you have, uh, uh, and, and uh, we also host a, a snowboarding competition with a 16 story snowboard jump. And um, it's just amazing. It's like a Coachella meets X Games kind of event. And huh. that's something that is really dear to me and something I love to be a part of where you get to host some massive thing that brings people together with sport and music, music and culture. And um, so that, that's something I hope to pursue um, in the future, obviously plenty of, of snowboarding still to go. Um, and, uh, yeah, I have, I have some things in the works right now that I think will be more apparent this next season, um, leading up to the Olympics that I'm, okay. I'm really excited to talk about. They're still in the works, but I think, um, I'm, I'm kind of all ears. Like I mentioned, I'm just kind of waiting for that next big thing to float my way. And I, attached to it and um, something that grabs my interest and I'm excited about and um, you know we'll go from there but uh, I, I look definitely Air, Aaron Style Sports Music Festival check it out um, it's really fun well hopefully you get to bring it to yeah. Australia at some stage very soon it's my goal it's my goal I really want to do it and selfishly I get to hang in Australia yes. so yes. that's what it's all about <laughs> hey, last question for you and I always finish with this we are we're really lucky Sean on this show that a lot of kids listen with their parents yeah so for the kids out there that want to achieve some success, and I always say at this stage, it doesn't need to be in snowboarding or skateboarding or yeah. they want to be a musician or a scientist or a mathematician or an interior designer. They were are trying to achieve a level of success that you've achieved in your life. Mm -hmm. What advice would you give the youngsters out there who, who are like sponges yeah. at this stage? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I still am and and – you know, will always continue to be quite hard on myself after competitions, things like that. Um, but that sort of feeling fades because of a lesson that I've learned. And that lesson was, um, <clears throat> you know, learn from your mistakes and they're no longer mistakes. You know, if you learn from it, you're not starting over. You, you know, if, if something happens, you got to kind of start over. You're not really starting over. You're starting with experience. So, um, take those times and, and, and mistakes and learn from them and, and, and make plenty of mistakes because this is the time to do it. You know, I didn't know that I overpracticed until I went to so many competitions mm -hmm. and was like, well, I, I got to change something. I learned that lesson or like, hey, you got to eat this kind of food. You need to stretch to take care of you. all these little life lessons or hey, you know what, this, this particular thing that I do isn't working for me. I got to switch it up and you find your own formula. And the thing is, is that one one path doesn't fit all. So whether you are going for music or you're in sports or you're in business or something like that, you have to find your own path and your own thing that works for you and, and really stick to that. And obviously learn from those mistakes and make as many as you can because the more mistakes you learn, the more information you gather. And when I show up to a competition and I win, I'm like, oh, great. 
I'm, I'm right where I need to be. I'm on the path I, I, I need to be on. And, and that's amazing. And when I lose, I go, great. I, I now know exactly where I need to be and where I want to be. And I have the motivation to get there. And that's such a, a, a gift that I was given from losing. So if you enter a competition with that sort of reaction every time, you can't really lose. It's, it's all a positive. And like I said before, your, your, <laughs> at least for me, my life's journey is it's, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. It's not these little, these little things. Some of them are important leading up to the bigger goal, but it's all about, you know, over time getting to where you want to be. You know, don't go on a diet to lose weight. Diets are something you're going to eventually stop doing. Make a small change in your life that you're going to stick to forever and see the benefits of that over time. So I would say, you know, learn from the mistakes, um, set yourself some goals. And, and obviously the overarching, you know, do it because you enjoy it, you know, have fun with it. So. Hey, that's great advice, mate. Um, I, right I've on. loved, I've taken up a lot of your time. I've loved every moment of this. I hope it's been enjoyable for you as it has been for me. It's been great to hear you reflect. You've had so much success, mate. May you have so much mm-hmm. more, whatever you're hoping to achieve. We'll be cheering from you, uh, for you on the Howie Games and everyone in this part of the world, mate. Thanks for joining me on the show, Sean. It's been a real thrill for me. <laughs> you're a good man. Yeah, thanks for having me. Till next time. Exactly. Well done. Cheers. Sean White, what a lovely, down-to-earth, engaging fella for someone who has achieved so much in his chosen field. Thanks to Sean for taking a leap and coming on the podcast, to his manager, Michael Spencer from One Sports Global, and the great man, Steve Herson, for making it all happen. And thanks for giving this show your earballs, as the Penguin likes to say. Until next Tuesday, remember, next Tuesday with Majak Door, peace and love. And we can do it if we try, try, try. If we try, try, try If we try, try, try Listener